it won't be funny. But I was just saying, I did something just like that when I was in high school one time. Except I didn't double dribble. I was dribbling going down the court, and I stuck my tongue out like I was Michael Jordan. So it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. They don't have it on video, though. That's that's a clip from the new Spider-Man movie. Have you seen it? Haven't seen it. I, I haven't seen it either. I'm going to see it tonight. Actually, Karen and I have a little date night planned. So, uh, so we're going to see it. How, how many of you like movies like Spider-Man, Batman, Avengers, those kind of movies? Just race them up. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. I'd go see the movies. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to see the new Spider-Man movie tonight, but I really don't care that much for the comic book movies. I just really don't. I, I didn't read the comic books when I was a kid growing up, and so maybe that's not that's why I'm not really that into it. I, I loved The Lone Ranger growing up. Anybody here under uh, over 40 that remembers The Lone Ranger? Any, raise your hand. See, I, I, you could be The Lone Ranger, couldn't you? I mean, he didn't have any, like, web-shooting abilities or something like that. He just had a cool horse named Trigger. Uh, no, not Trigger. Uh, Silver. Silver. And uh, he, he did have the, the mask on. But, man, if you could get a mask, a horse named Silver, find your Indian friend named Tonto, you, you could be Lone Ranger. I had a dog. is a um, big, mostly mutt, but partly yellow lab. And uh, his name was King, but I called him Silver, at least when I was, you know, playing uh, the Lone Ranger. I I did like the Batman show that came on television. Do you remember that? Any of you remember that? Now, of of all the comic book heroes, I did know of Batman, and I did like Batman pretty good. Because, again, you could be Batman, couldn't you? I mean, because he didn't have any, like, supernatural kinds of abilities. He, He had the utility belt. And so if you could have a utility belt, you well, you needed the mask and the cape. I, I had a utility belt that I made out of an old tool belt that my dad had that he didn't have any tools in. So I just, you know, made the utility belt. And uh, you couldn't buy a kid's mask back then, you know, because Walmart and Party City and places like that, you, you can buy a Batman costume, but you couldn't buy one of those when I was a kid. But my mom would take one of my dad's black dress socks and cut eyes out of it, and I would tie that thing on the back, you know. And uh, she would give me one of her old towels, and so we'd make a cape. And, uh, you know, I'd run all over the yard pretending like I was I was Batman, which was pretty cool until I got to be about 16 or 17, and all of a sudden the neighbors just thought I was weird. But... Uh, You may not realize this, but you have been given special gifts and abilities by God. I mean, not the ability to cast webs and, you know, fly from buildings and uh, you don't have a really cool Batman kind of car. Although we have some really cool cars out in the parking lot today. Have y'all noticed we've got some roadsters and dragsters and different things like that. But you, you don't have a Batman car, you don't have a Batman cave or a red phone or something like that. But God has given you certain gifts and abilities. And it really is a supernatural thing. And listen, here's what God expects you to do with those gifts. He expects you to use them for his kingdom and be a hero in the world. God is a giver. Do you realize that? Uh, 
me and Karen and the kids were down at the beach for a few days this week. We got she got a few days off from work, and of course we had the July Fourth holiday in there. And uh, I, I knew when we were getting ready to go out of town that there was a family back home that they're they're associated with our church, and uh, they have a father who was sick and really weren't expecting him to live that long. And uh, I was kind of thinking he may pass away, you know, this past week, and sure enough he did. So I had to come back on Friday and do his funeral, and then I went right back to the beach on Friday and um, got another evening and most of yesterday with Karen and the kids. But in the funeral on Friday, I did what I always try to do at a funeral, and really it's been one one of my major teaching themes throughout my ministry over the last 15 years and that is that God is a giver you know many people think that God is a taker especially when there's a death in the family someone's died we have these pithy little sayings like well God needed more flowers in his flower garden or something like that and so God needed them more than I did so he took them And again and again, you'll hear people say, well, God took this or God took that. But God is a giver. And like in this funeral on Friday, one of the things I encourage the family to do is think of um, their father, the husband, the brother, whatever the context was for their own loss. I said, think of the memories. And when you think of God, think of God as the one who's given this person to you and he's given you these memories. God is a giver. God is not one who just squeezes things out of us and takes things away. For example, and if you have your message notes, this is a good time for you to start taking some notes. God gives us three gifts. He really gives us more, Glenn, but he gives us at least three gifts. The first gift that God gives us is the gift of eternal life. The Bible says in the book of Romans that for the wages of sin is death. That means that the payment for us being sinners should be death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God gives us eternal life. That means, like my friend Larry, who we buried on Friday, that when you die, there doesn't have to be a question about what your eternity looks like because if you have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you follow Him If you are faithful to him, then you can spend an eternity with him in heaven. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? The second thing that God gives us is he gives us the Holy Spirit. The best way to think about this is that when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he takes a piece of himself and puts it inside of you. He gives us his spirit. You don't have to raise your hands, but those of you who are in the room right now or those of you who are listening to this message on our podcast or on a CD, whatever the case may be, if you're lonely right now, let me tell you, you don't have to be lonely. Maybe there's nobody at home waiting on you. Maybe you came to church today by yourself. Maybe you, maybe you have a family and there are people around you, but you still feel lonely. Let me tell you, you don't have to be alone. If you'll trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God will put his spirit inside of you. And so no matter where you go, no matter what the seasons of life are like for you, you don't have to be alone because God will be with you wherever you go. And then the third thing that God gives us 
is he gives us spiritual gifts. And this is where I'm going to really drill down on today. God gives us special gifts and abilities. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to read our focus text to you this morning. It's from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. But I, I, want, I want you to understand before we get to that and we talk about how to discover these gifts and how to develop them and how to use them, I want you to understand why these gifts and why these abilities are important. For one thing, they show your value. I, I want every person right now just to look at me. Now, I, can't, I can't make eye contact with all of you. You can look at me. I want to make sure that I have your attention when I say this right here. You are valuable to God. You are valuable to God. No matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done in life and no matter what's been done to you, you are valuable maybe you grew up in a home where you were not appreciated maybe you grew up with enough with a father who was abusive maybe you grew up with a mother who didn't know how to give you compliments maybe you weren't good enough to make the basketball team or be a track star or play football or baseball maybe you couldn't make it on the high q team and so because of those things you feel like you're not valuable or maybe you don't have a lot of um, position in the world. And so the way people look at people, you're not very high on the totem pole. You are valuable to God. And our gifts show us this. Let me tell you another reason that understanding these spiritual gifts are important. It's because you are valuable, but also God has created you for a purpose. God has created you for a purpose. And one of the things that I've learned as a pastor, and just because I'm, I'm getting older, I've learned that not only do people who are in their teen years not have a good idea of what their purpose is in life, but those of us who are in the middle of life and those who are much farther along in life, most people have no idea what God's purpose is for their lives. And so we look at our value in other things or we think, well, I'm valuable because I'm this or I'm valuable because of that. I'm valuable because I'm a pastor or I'm valuable because I'm a businessman or a businesswoman or I'm a coach or I'm a teacher or I'm this or that because we don't understand what our purpose is in life and that we're really called to be a whole lot more than what we find our identity in, like our jobs. Or we don't know what our purpose is in life, so we pour ourselves into this relationship or that relationship. And what happens is so many of us just spend our lives wasting them on things that have no eternal significance. Can't see the forest because of the trees sort of thing. So this morning, while we talk about our gifts and how to discover them and develop them and use them, I want you to understand that part of the reason for doing this is because if you can understand what your gifts are, if you can see how God has put you together, that will help you get a long way down the road of discovering what God's purpose really is for your life. Are you with me? 
Haven't lost you. Got you right where I want you. All right, let me pray for us. And then I'm going to jump into Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And then I'm going to talk to you about three important things that the scriptures teach us about our spiritual gifts. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's practical and that it, as, it is as relevant as today is. I pray that for the next few minutes, you would um, let us block out anything that might distract us from what you want to say to us today. Help us understand what you want us to do with these gifts that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So here we go, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus often taught in stories that we call parables, and a parable is a story, well, in this context, Jesus is teaching a story that has a heavenly truth or a heavenly meaning. You know, it's one of these life truths, one that you can build your life on. It's foundational but Jesus teaches these things in the context of everyday stuff so that we can understand it. Uh, Jesus often talks about farming and things like that because he was dealing with and talking with people who lived in an agrarian society, and so they just understood farming. This is one of those times. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left to go on his trip. And one of the things I want you to understand about gifts and talents, and right here we're talking about bags of silver. Wouldn't it be great to have a bag of silver today? Silver's worth a lot of money. But we're not just talking about money. This is also called the parable of the talents and other gospels. So it's not just money, but it's resources, it's talents, it's gifts, it's abilities. And one of the things that you need to see is that not everybody has the same gifts or abilities or talents. Can we just be honest about that? Isn't it true? I mean, some people in life have a lot of talent. Most of us fall right in the middle. And then there are people who only have one talent. But what I want you to make sure that you get a hold of is that every person has at least one talent. God never made a no-talent person. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, he and he earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, this is the part in the story when Jesus is teaching it live that the people would have said, ooh, so do that with me, ooh. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account for how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And remember that in the story, you and I are the servants, and the master represents God. The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And there's exclamation there. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. This is, this is not going to be good. You can already tell, can't you? I I knew you were a a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, which is his way of saying you get stuff that you don't deserve. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Mark's gospel says that the servant didn't even bring the money back to the master, but he said X marks the spot. Here's a shovel. Go get your own silver. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. And again, keep in mind, this is God speaking. God is being represented in the story by the master. And so I'm telling you that God is a God of grace and mercy and love. He's also the one who is a giver. And now he's giving Justice. You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who who has ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be a great weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. So we've been given these talents. We have these abilities and gifts. What does God want us to do with them? He wants us to do three things with them. You're taking notes. Write this down. The first thing that God wants us to do with our abilities, our talents, our silver, is to discover it. He wants us to discover it. He wants us to find what the gift is. He wants us to find out what we're good at. He wants us to find out what our spiritual gift is. He wants us to find out what we're naturally and supernaturally good at. Okay, I'm going to preach to you just for a minute here, okay? Being a preacher is hard. I, I, don't, I don't mean just the workload. I mean, most people have hard jobs. But it's hard in this sense. Most preachers, including this one, we stand up 
and preach to a congregation of people week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, to people who are mostly lost, spiritually lost, and just don't realize it. It's hard for me sometimes to stand up here and realize that some of you, maybe many of you, I don't know what the percentage is. I'm not the judge. And and some of this won't even be found out until the day of judgment. But some of us right here in this room right now are so comfortable with casually knowing Jesus. And we know about Him, but we don't really know Him as Lord and Savior. What what, what am I saying? I'm saying there are lots of us, perhaps, that are sitting in this room right now who think we are saved, spiritually saved, and we're lost. And if we were to stand before the judge today, as Jesus says here in this story, we one day will, we would discover that we are spiritually lost and eternally damned because rather than discovering our gifts and our abilities and investing them in the kingdom of God, not even living up to our full potential, but just to give some return on God's investment into us. We buried our lives. We wasted our lives and are eternally damned. That's a scary thought. It's a scary thought that, to think that maybe the person next to you or somebody in front of you or behind you, if today we would all stand before God that some of us would be eternally damned. We, we had a lady that's, uh, well, actually a couple, that came to our church some uh, th- through, through the years, maybe a six or eight year period of time, and there were a number of uh, opportunities I had to speak with them in my office, and um, the guy eventually quit coming in with his wife, and uh, she just ridiculed him most of the time. And I knew in reality he had problems, but so did she. And isn't that true for all of us? And uh, eventually the conversations turned spiritual. And so she would ridicule him for being an atheist. He claimed that he was an atheist. Now, first of all, let me just tell you, there are no true atheists. There are people who claim to be atheists, but there are no true atheists. And maybe you're here today and you think, oh, I'm an atheist. I'll tell you right now, I'm an atheist, and I can tell you why. I'm just telling you. I've heard every argument. I, I know what you got to say. I, I know but you're not a true atheist. People who say they're true atheists knows that in reality there must be a creator. 
there must be a God. They are just suppressing that in their own lives. I'm, I'm just telling you, I know that to be the case. But she said, well, he's an atheist. And I said, well, first of all, he's not really an atheist. He's just suppressing his ideas and his emotions. He's suppressing what his internal being knows. That part of him that is eternal knows that there is a creator. I said, but I'm going to be honest with you because if, if I'm not honest with you, it doesn't do anybody any good, does it? I said, I have more respect for him than I do for you. Well, what do you mean? I said, do you really want to know what I mean or are you just asking? He said, no, I really want to know what you mean. I said, you, you come to church about once every three months. And when you come in, you come in with your Bible and you come in looking like you've got on your, your Jesus disguise. In reality, I'm on Facebook too. I mean, I know how you live. I know what you promote. At least your husband says he doesn't believe in God, so he doesn't have to live like he believes in God. But you say you do believe in God, and you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You say you believe in God, but you live like you don't believe in God. You are a practical atheist. You're worse than an atheist. Because you fooled yourself into thinking you're one thing when you're really something else. And some of you live that same way. Some of us, we live that same way. We say we believe in God, but we don't live like we believe in God. And so I'm telling you that one of the most important things that a follower of Jesus does is he realizes, okay, God has created me. He's given me a purpose. And if he's given me a purpose in life, he's given me the resources and abilities to live out that purpose. So God, what is that gift? What, what, have you, what, what, do you, what have you put in me? What do you want me to be doing? What am I good at? How do I know what my purpose is based on the gifts that you've given me? I don't know what they are yet, but I'm following you every day because I'm trying to discover what those gifts are. If you're not living that way, you ought to have some real concerns about your salvation. If you can just come into church week after week, month after month, decade after decade, you do your little church thing, and then you walk away to live any way you want to with never a thought of who God is or what He wants for your life or what He wants you to be committed to at all during the week, then I'm not your judge. Just understand that we have a judge who will one day judge us justly. And you can fool me you can fool people around you, but you cannot fool God. And hey, since we're talking about this, 
This is why I always get in trouble at the 11 o'clock service. Because I don't have another service coming right behind y'all. So I just got all kinds of things that pop up. I do a lot of funerals. Maybe doing them is not the right way of saying them. But I officiate lots of funerals. And I'm amazed, amazed how people are just willing to roll the dice on eternity. They live their whole life, and they're willing to go off into eternity saying, well, I think so, I hope so, I'm a pretty good person, I'm this, I'm that. But really don't know where they stand with God. Where do you stand with God this morning? Are you saved? Are you sure? Jimmy, how do I discover my gifts? There are probably a couple different ways, but I'm starting to run out of time, so I'm going to give you one way. Man, you just jump in and start serving. You just jump in. You just get involved. Listen, at Rocky River Church, there are probably 50 ways for you to get involved. If you look in your bulletin, there is a purple sheet in there. I have one somewhere. I can't find it. But in that, thank you, Gina. This purple sheet, I asked our staff this week to just make a list of five or six things that we need some people volunteering and doing right now. And so this is the list. Not anything on here really high tech, but places where you can get involved right now. And listen, I tell you what, when I say listen, I don't mean that just passively. I mean, I really want you to get this part right here. If you get involved in one of these ministries and you start serving, it doesn't mean that you have to do it from now on. Because you might get involved in one of these ministries and think, you know what, I really don't like being on the hospitality team but I think I'd like to do the parking team. I'd like to help out in the office, or I'd like to maybe see about what I could do to play in the band or, you know, any number of different things. But the point is you just need a place to get started, and these are some basic but important ways for you to get started and get connected. And can I tell you this, just out of love, and I hate saying stuff like this, but I'm going to anyway because sometimes these things have a way of thinning out the crowd. But listen, if you don't think that Rocky River is the church where you can get connected with people and start volunteering and start serving, let me help you find a church where you can do that. I'm not interested in us just having a church that has big numbers and so we want everybody to come whether they do anything or not just so it looks good on Sundays. That doesn't do us any good, but it doesn't do you any good. You need to have a congregation of people that you're connected with, that you're growing with, that you're using your gifts and your abilities and your talents. That's not just for me. That's for you. And if you don't feel like Rocky River is the place that you can do that, that doesn't hurt my feelings. Well, it does a little bit. But I'll get over it. But there are some other churches that need your gifts and need your abilities. And you need to be connected to one of them. 
one more thing, and I'll I'll be a little quicker on the other things. If if you have the gift to lead, because I believe that leadership is a gift. If you have the ability to lead, the way you become a leader at Rocky River Church is by serving first. We have a servant model leadership around here. And so every per all of our trustees, our ministry team leaders who in our church work like deacons, anybody who leads groups of people, leads small groups, they all came in through serving, even the lead pastor. We all serve. Just a couple weeks ago, well, not a couple weeks ago, more like a couple months ago, I was out in the lobby after the either the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock service, and a man came out. He said, Pastor Jimmy, I've been coming to Rocky River for a few months now, and uh, I really think that I need to get involved in leadership. I said, fantastic. L- let me tell you how leaders get involved at Rocky River. They begin serving. Oh, oh no, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about leading. I, I want to lead, but I'm not willing to serve. And I just said, you won't ever be able to be a leader at Rocky River Church. Because you can't lead people if you're not willing to follow. Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve others and give his life a what? A ransom for many. Here's the second thing that God wants me to do with my gift. He wants me to develop it. He wants me to use it. Hey, stop focusing all of your energy and your time and your attention on your weaknesses. You're never going to grow in your area of weakness that much anyway. I mean, if on a scale of 1 to 10, you're a 3 at being a wide receiver, you're never going to be an 8 you might develop enough skills to be a five, but you're never going to be an eight. So go ahead and be a running back because you got mad skills doing that. Focus on your strengths. Don't focus all of your attention on your weaknesses. Develop what you're strong in. Just like with, with my job and what I do, I'm not the greatest at having organizational skills. But I do give a little bit of time into that just because I have to be organized to wake up every day and take a shower and shave and put on clothes that reasonably match. You know, I have, I have to have an office. I have to know how to find things. I have to know how to work with my computer. But listen, I don't read books and spend hours trying to learn how to be better organized. I'm not good at that. So what, what I did is I hired an assistant and an operations director who happens to be very good at those things. You see what I mean? Develop what you're strong at. But you know why a lot of people don't develop what they're strong at? Is because we have a way of devaluing the gifts that we have. I don't mean the superstars. The guys who have the five bags of silver, they know they got five bags of silver. 
They're, they're the high output people. I mean, they're using what they have out in the world, out in the community, in the church. I mean, they're putting that stuff together. They know what they've got. And what happens is the rest of us who have two talents or one talent, just somewhere in between one and five talents, we look at the five talent people and say, well, I don't have what he has or I don't have what she has, so mine's not worth as much. And so we sit on it. And we don't develop it. And we don't invest it. Develop that talent you have. Develop it by by putting it in the game. That's the third thing God wants us to do with our gifts. He wants us to use it. He wants us to use our gifts. Put them in the game. Listen, one of the things that I love so much about God and His plan for salvation is that all of us can participate Here's the problem, though. Most of us have an old mindset of what it means to be a part of church. And so we think, well, to be a real participant, a real partner, a real member, I've got to work with the kids, or I've got to work with the students, or I've got to be a deacon, or I've got to shake hands and pass out bulletins. You know, the things that are more traditional. You know what I love about this congregation? Man, I grew up with contractors, and I just love contractors, and I can't help it. And when I was growing up, the guys in our church that worked with their hands or they were superintendents for jobs and, uh, you know, they were brick masons or concrete contractors or something, they they just always in church felt like they didn't really have a place to belong and connect. Or they had to find something else, but it was not ever really in their sweet spot. I love it that we have guys that build stuff. You know, men, they know they got a place here because we got stuff for them to do. We need them. They're a part of the body of Christ. They, they help make up the body that is the church. Just like those of you who have organizational skills, Teresa, we can always use some help organizing events and things like that, can't we? Because, I mean, basically on our staff, we have two organized people. Dylan, I'm not sure about you yet. I don't know. Then we have three. Me and Donnie apparently are the only ones on staff that are not because Jason is organized, Teresa is organized, and Dylan says he is organized, so we'll go with that. You're married to Emily, and she is organized. Thus, you are organized. It don't work that way, man. I'm telling you, it don't. Because Karen's organized, and I'm still not. But anyway, I'll just say there's two of us. Listen, you got, you got mad project management skills? We got a place for you. You're in accounting? We got a place for you. You're in nursing? We got a place for you. We've got a place for you to be connected. And here's what happens when you're not connected. The body, because the Bible says we are a body, the body is missing a member. No, not everybody can be the head. Not everybody can be the teaching pastor. But let me tell you something. This would be a lonely, sad service if it all depended on me. 
you know, let me tell you how gifted I am when it comes to audiovisual things. I come in on Sundays, and Steve or Jeff or Mark, or one of those guys, they say, here's your mic. They don't even trust me to put batteries in it. They just say, here's your mic. By the way, it has the batteries. They've been telling me for 15 years now to mash that little button right there, and it'll come on, and then you just, you just talk through it. We have a whole team of people that put this service together. Not everybody can be the preacher, but not everybody wants to be. Not everybody can be the worship leader. But we don't need everybody to be the worship leader. We need some people behind the scenes that help organize events. We need guys who can cook barbecue. I'm looking for somebody right now who could cook fish for us in August. We, we got a place for you. And, and we need the lungs. We need the skeletal structure. We, we need all of the parts. We need you. What we do here together is the most important thing on the planet. But Jimmy, this is self-serving. You happen to be the lead pastor, and you're saying that what you do is the most important thing on the planet. No, not just what I do. It's what we do together. Well, I thought the banker is pretty important. Absolutely. It's important. The, the CEO at Bank of America or First Citizens or however many, we got all kind of banks represented here. That's important work that they do. But listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, the quarter, the year, at the end of it all, it was only money. I know that what you do is important. In your job, with your business, I know that you're a teacher, a nurse, a policeman, a soldier. Those things are important. But at the end of the day, most of those things are not eternal. But what we do together as the body of Christ is the most important thing because the eternity of the people that we influence and that we lead, it's eternal. It depends on what we do or what we don't do together. You know why Jesus told this parable? It was so that he could say to his disciples, one day you will stand and give an account of your life to the master. And where you spend eternity will depend on how you invested your life. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. The first one is, are you following Jesus? I mean, really. I mean, really. Not just do you know about Him, 
Because listen, in the Bible, Satan knows about Jesus. The demons even declare that he is the Messiah, but they don't follow him. Are you really following Jesus? Or are you a practical atheist? And listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, are you connected? Are you investing your your talents, your abilities, your spiritual gift, your bag of silver, are you investing it in the, the kingdom because that's what's eternal? That's what's going to last? If you've never trusted Jesus, I want to pray with you right now. If you're not sure that you're really following Jesus, I want to pray with you right now. I want to challenge you and give you this opportunity to say, okay, beginning today, I'm not just going to pray the prayer to invite Jesus in my life, but today, really, on July 8th, 2012, I'm going to begin following Jesus. And then, if you're following Jesus, but you've never been connected, you're not using your gifts, you're not trying to discover them, then why why not? Why aren't you doing that? I'm going to pray that God will give you the courage to say, today, I'm going to begin investing what I have into the kingdom, into the eternal. Because the body needs its member. Let's pray. First, for those that have never trusted Jesus, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you the opportunity to begin following Him right now. And I know that you don't know everything about Jesus, but none of us know everything. But you can know enough, at least to get you started. All you need to know is that the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible also says in the New Testament that if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you'll be saved. And you can be saved. And so if I'm talking to you this morning, if the Lord is talking to you, And pray with me right now. Just say, Jesus, in the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. I don't know everything it means to be a Christian, to be a follower, but I want to give the rest of my life to getting to know you and learning why you've created me and what your purpose is for my life. And now just say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. And now for, for all of us, I want to pray that God would just give us a burden to use our gifts and our abilities. God, right now, 
to all of us who have trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I pray that you would just quicken something inside of us where we are just determined more than ever before to follow you, but to invest our lives into the cause of reaching others for Jesus. I pray that you would give us a burden for the lost and a real hunger for knowing you and discovering the abilities that you've given us. Lord, the truth is most of us know more about our gifts than we're actually doing with them. So just help us to get connected somewhere and then in that place of service, show us other opportunities if we're not in our sweet spot. Show us other opportunities to serve you in different ministries so that we can find that place where we say, oh yeah, this is it. This is what God made me for right here. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. We have one more song that we're going to sing together. Our ushers during the song, they're going to move to the exits. And um, if you're prepared to give this morning, you can leave your offerings there in the receiving baskets. But if you prayed today to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, make sure that you take your connection card and somewhere on the front or the back, just write a B on it. And as you're walking out today, drop that card into the, to the basket And that will signal to me and the rest of our staff that you're believing in Jesus today. And I want to show you one more thing. I know I'm standing down on the floor, but can you see me? Maybe not so much. How about if I do this? Can you see me now? I'm a short guy. If you trusted Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, you're a brand new Christian. We have this resource for you. It's a new believer journal and next steps. It's a valuable tool to just help you with your next steps in following Jesus. They're right out here on the tables out in the lobby. So just stop by there and grab one on your way out the door. Again, let's worship God one last opportunity uh, to do that today, and uh, I'll come right back and dismiss us. I think it's been a great day at Rocky River Church. How about you guys? Listen, I, 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 want, you, can you come, I, I want you to give this band a hand. Let me, let me tell you, this is one of the hardest working teams we have in our church. These guys make a lot of sacrifices. I know they're not all represented up here today, but Jeff and Scott, and I know that there are others that are scattered out everywhere. Just give them a hand because, again, they do so much. And, and we appreciate You know, um, I, I know that you guys hear me talk about my wife from time to time. Or I'll just mention Karen, and some of you are newer, and you don't know exactly who Karen is. So every now and again, I just like to pull her up, and uh, I won't make her say anything, but I just want you to see her. And she just makes me look better, don't you think? I love saying that when, when most of my buddies meet Karen, you know, they think, wow, that's, that's your wife? Because they think maybe my wife ought to have a horn growing out of her forehead or something, or... But um, yeah, this is this is my wife Karen. We're we're gonna be out on the patio after the service is over, especially if you're new at Rocky River. You know, stop by and see us and say hello. We'd like we'd like to get to know you a little bit. We'd like to know your name, 
and uh, and then of course, I mean, we'll we'll be standing out there as long as you guys want to just stop and say hi. But um, I wanted to take the opportunity just to let you know that we love you. Our family loves you. We're committed to our church, and um, we pray for you not just every now and again, but we pray for you every day. Again, we're crazy about you, and uh, thank you for how you support us and our family and all of our staff and because we have an awesome team of people and but again thank you for just loving the lord and loving us and loving this church um karen's daddy wilton pate wilton and yvonne yvonne is karen's mom they're uh original members with us at rocky river they are part of the original eight people who started rocky river and which says a lot. I'm sure they love Karen more than me, but you know, for your son-in-law to be the pastor, holy smokes! And uh, but I have great, uh, great mother-in-law, great father-in-law, and today's my father-in-law's birthday. He's he's a he's a trustee in our church, and he's 79 years old today. 79. I didn't have to tell your age. They they were still thinking you were fifty nine. I know, but but you know, where are we gonna go eat lunch? Are you paying or am I? No, no, I got you. I got you. I got you. Hey, li- listen, birthday boy. Why don't you close us in prayer? Okay, I love you too. 